Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. And hello, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, and Dave. And today we are joined by a special guest, an old friend, Wendy from the Extra Inch. Wendy, how are you today? I've been better. <laughs> I mean, I, I was doing quite well until I watched Spurs. Get in line, right? Get in line. I think everyone is going to say the same thing right after that. So on that note, Steve, how are you? You know, I I mean, he's already said it, right? Like, I was having a great time until that day. <laughs> but you know what? I We went apple picking yesterday. I got some farm fresh apple cider and probably a little too much whiskey. And, you know, I'm getting back to a happier place. <laughs> you can change to rum when the whiskey stops tasting good, too. So always remember that. And Mike, how's life, sir? Uh, life is uh, outside of today. I, you know, I've had a pretty shitty weekend. I'm just going to admit it. It's been it's <laughs> it's a been a pretty terrible sports weekend for me. Outside, you know, outside of uh, going to apple picking with the family, uh, this time of year is just awesome in Vermont. It, it, it's you know what makes me stay here through the frigid, awful winters. You know, is is the springtime and and the autumn. I just, I just love it at this, this time of year. It's the perfect weather. Typically, you know, we, we have some rainy weekends, but I mean, typically it's just, it's just beautiful weather. It smells crisp and, and it smells like fall sports. And I love it. That is fun. We appreciate the optimism before we wade into the cesspool. So I, I had to go there because typically, you know, I ramble about, you know, whatever is on my mind, you know, my son playing soccer, but um we did. We had to scrimmage against our own team today because of a quarantine uh, issue with the other team. And my son came away uh, angry uh, that he wasn't getting touches. Um, I said, "You're not Ronaldo." Um, <laughs> and then he proceeded to take his uh, cleats off in my truck um, for the for the ride home while we had to listen to that disgusting display of soccer. And uh, it just made it that much worse. So we started we started listening to like the end of the first half, and uh, he took his shoes off, and it was awful. It made it way worse. Thirty minute drive. <laughs> so there's my rambling. There my opening. There it is. Good enough. Hey, better than the uh, the colonoscopy ramble a couple of weeks ago, right? That's that's very that's true. That's very true. I'm wondering. I, I'm I'm only guessing that Wendy is hearing us talking and hearing you guys talk about apple picking and going, what's the deal with the apple picking? I, I don't quite understand that. So um, Mike, could you explain just seasonally what, what the apple picking deal is and why that's something you even feel like talking about? There are a thousand apple orchards in Vermont. They're everywhere. And actually uh, the, the first apples were actually, I believe the first apples in New England were brought over by the English settlers. So um, there are still a lot of like, most of our apples here are hybrids, like uh, the, the Macintosh and stuff are, are um, kind of a, a, a native apple that was kind of found in Vermont, but um, it's probably nothing like it, you know, was 200, 300 years ago. But um, there are a lot of, uh, a, I, we have an orchard near us that has like original trees that were planted there like 250 years ago. Um, they have like rows of them that you can go down, but it's, the orchards are all beautiful. They're very trim in between the rows. They're, like every orchard has, um, of course, to survive, they have to have um, different varieties of apples because of the fact that, 
you know, they want to survive throughout the whole autumn season. So different apples come at different times. Um, I, I really, really love the Macintosh and I really love the, uh, um, I'm a big fan of the um, Makuin, which is also kind of a, a hybrid Macintosh. It's just the, the tartness of it, the crispness. It makes me think of fall and I just love it. And I, you know, it's playoff baseball, it's soccer, it's, you know, football, you know, it's just the smell and the, the sights of the apple orchards. And it's always like this immense greenness about it um, with the red apples just poking out of the trees. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I really love it. Like I just smile because I, I love teeing you up for opportunities to become like the, the Ken Burns of podcasting where you just, you know, you just <laughs> dive into a topic. <laughs> and I don't know if people who listen to us care or not, but I think it's fantastic. So so keep it That's up. And hopefully, 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 Wendy, you feel well informed now. Yeah. I mean, you have very sensibly named apples compared to us over here. We have like the Granny Smith, the... Love the it. pink lady the golden delicious and you have just apples named after a, a man <laughs> <It seems. laughs> yeah a, a scotsman as well you know i mean <laughs> all right let's do this uh talking with steve earlier steve had a comment he wanted to share about the midweek wolves match before we talk about the events of the day so steve what is your comment about the midweek wolves match Man, I said it last week on our pod, right? I said, I honestly don't care about that game. If we win and it comes at the expense of a win at the weekend, it's meaningless to me. And that's exactly what happened, right? Like, yeah, we got the win. It was a pretty crappy game. You know, we we started well, but then just kind of fell apart there and had to, you know, resort to penalties. But uh, look at what happened. It came at the expense of exhausting half of our team. And then we got well that shit show which was just i mean <laughs> i just i i can feel myself getting angry all over again just thinking about how that first half went there's just so much to dissect about it but i mean the big point the big takeaway for me right like we were talking right before you know we got started here and dombele you know everybody was talking about how great he was in the first half of wolves he played way too long midweek he played the game before that you know he's got a string of games that he's going into the dude has no fitness it was clear he was tired it was clear he wasn't able to keep up with the pace even in the first minute how he started that game is just beyond me um and honestly you know you can say the same about delhi too you know I, like we were talking during the game in, in the WhatsApp, you know, you could have hooked both of them for skip like 10 minutes into the game and it probably would have made a huge difference, but it took 45 to see that change. And by that time it was just too late. It was, it was far too late. Wendy, can you connect the Wednesday, Wednesday, or sorry, Thursday, I've lost track, uh, the midweek match with, with <laughs> the weekend and uh, what, what was your takeaway on what we saw today? Okay. So, I mean, I think the, as a bit of scene setting, um, we, so we had these three wins at the start of the season where we played, I would say, not very inspiring football. Uh, we played passive, um, fairly defensive football. We ground out 1-0 victories and everyone was kind of happy with the results, but the, um, the performances 
we were all kind of just thinking, okay, well, this has to be the start. This needs to be the building block. This needs to be the foundation. And either we develop our style more from here, or we get all of our good players back and suddenly we play this style, but the players are better. So it works better. And then we had uh, the Crystal Palace match, which obviously was horrific and felt like, it kind of felt like a, a bit of an anom anomaly because of the sending off. But at the same time, we weren't creating anything prior to that. We weren't, there was no sort of, um, possession pattern it was very kind of when we get the ball we play it long and we try and we try and work off second balls and we try and counter press and then we had these two games I'm ignoring the the um, Europa Conference League because I think there's too many changes to really to, to find out too much about those games we had these two games against Chelsea and against Wolves where actually we saw a bit more of a progressive style we saw against Chelsea a really intense high press and we saw possession patterns uh, and there was some there was some good stuff in there against Chelsea in the first half. We played really really well. I thought that I, like I'd still say Chelsea first half is my favourite half of the season so far. Then we had the Wolves game, and like I do agree with um, with Steve in that and Donbelly's played too many minutes, but he was really good. I thought I mean obviously he was at fault for two of the goals unfortunately, but all of our good football came through in Donbelly against Wolves, and again we were playing quite a high intense press, um, pressing their centre-backs, which has been unusual except for the Chelsea game. But we had this possession pattern. We were building through midfield. We had Ndombele getting the ball in deep areas and able to progress the ball, which we haven't had in other games. And I'm thinking, okay, look, we've, we've scraped through against Wolves. We lost 3-0 against Chelsea, but there were some promising signs there. This is the turning point. This is where things start to go in the right direction. We see some progress. And then I see the team selection today and I'm absolutely baffled because I'm looking at it. I'm seeing Tanganga, who I really, really like playing instead of Emerson. That, in my opinion, is a regressive move because Emerson, as much as Tanganga is a fantastic defender, Emerson is a lot better in possession. He just is better in possession. He's much more technically able than Tanganga. He will take the ball in tight spaces on the half turn and he will not lose it or not try and just hump it up the line. See Sanchez over Romero. Romero is like our, basically our only ball playing centre back now. He will pass the ball out from the back, which he did very well against Wolves. He will try things. He'll he'll show for the ball. He'll receive. He'll take it again in tight spaces and try and make things happen. We play Sanchez, who can't do that. He's just incapable of doing that. And then we play Lucas instead of Lacelso. Now Lacelso has not been great at all. I'm not going to defend Lacelso's performances, but what he does have is the ability to take the ball, drop into midfield, take the ball, create triangles and allow players like Ndombele to get on it, facing the right way and create things. And we played Lucas, who instead just wants to pick up the ball, turn, run at the goal. He's not going to, he's not going to create, the, he's not going to create possession triangles. He's not going to create possession patterns. He's going to try and run at the, run at the goal as fast as he can with the ball at his feet. Fine, you know, but they're choices that Nuno's made. So I'm thinking straight away, I don't like this. So I got my, I got my notepad out and I got my pen out and I thought I'm going to just, watch what happens to our first few possessions. So here's, here are my notes from our first few possessions against Arsenal. The first play we have at the back, it comes back from kickoff. It ends up with Tanganga at right back. He chips the ball forward and it is lost. The second time we get the ball at the back in possession, uh, Dyer has it. He chips the ball forward and it is lost. Then we have a bit of um, success. Huey Bier counter presses and we win the ball and we have a bit of possession higher up the pitch, fine. The third play at the back, uh, Lloris plays a long ball to Son on halfway. Um, he's pressed back and then ends up back with Lloris and he just lumps it forward and we lose the ball. The fourth, uh, Sanchez has the ball. 
He isn't under a great deal of pressure. He plays it long to Kane. The ball is lost. The fifth, Dyer plays long to Kane. Um, he somehow like manages to create something, or a bit of confusion in the defence. It bounces awkwardly. Delhi then flicks onto Son, and he looks like he's through, but he's offside. So the, the, the intention is we play the ball long, we back up play with our midfielders, we counter-press, and we try and create something. We are far too good to be playing long ball and counter-press. It's ridiculous. We've got Tongi and Dombele, one of the best ball progressors in probably the world, and we're missing him out, and we're playing long balls forward, and it's utterly infuriating. And I'm saying that like, we've, we've conceded three goals in the first half, and I'm complaining about our possession play, but that's the thing that annoyed me the most. You know, That annoyed me even more than some of our defending. I, I just I, I can't comprehend how you go from positive signs in the Chelsea and Wolves match right back to where we were in the first game of the season when we didn't have any of our, our key players available. And I just cannot comprehend it. I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated. And I, I like 3-0, 3-0, 3-1 in the league. I don't know if Nuno can survive this, to be honest, because the signs just aren't good. No, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because it's like, if you think about how the goals happened, right? You know, it's long balls up, the midfield is practically sitting right on top of like where Kane, Son, Lucas are. And then there's just space. There's all this space between the midfield and defense. And, you know, it, it could be two on two, three on three, but nobody from that midfield is coming back fast enough to kind of give them any kind of, you know, uh, support there, which was really frustrating. I think it was the first goal you're watching like Tengangas just kind of half jogging back into the box from being, you know, so far up the pitch and just acres of space, you know, these guys on, on defense, they've got, they're essentially one-on-one -on -one with a bunch of people. You get any one other attacker in there, they got time, they got space, they can pick their, their shot. And that's what happened three times. It was, it was miserable. And I mean, we called it out, you know, in the WhatsApp, like after the first goal, it was clear to us, this midfield has no balance to it. The, like the, obviously we're trying to bypass the midfield with these long balls but then there's like it's just empty space it's like hey please come run into me attack me it, it's baffling to me that it, it we didn't see any changes even if you're not going to change the personnel just tactically right like the first goal should have said hey you know what this isn't working we need to change something it didn't happen and that just to me, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm really I would be shocked if if you know I wake up tomorrow and see that Nuno's still in a job. It just seems really inflexible um, from him. I, I think you know, Steve. I, I it's funny because I think I mentioned this uh, in our in our uh, little chicken little segment that we that we do. Um, <clears throat> is that if we don't get through this goddamn weekend with two wins? You might be looking at Nuno being like gone. Um, it, it's it's funny to me because like I I was at my son's game and I'm on my phone watching on my phone while I'm trying to pay attention to my son's game. And at one point, super dad, um, way to go, Mike. You're you're, you're yeah, super dad, it. right? Super yeah. dad. <laughs> uh, but it is it, it's it's you know the North London derby. Ooh, he said yeah, it with an A. Good job. Dave gave me shit, Winnie. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't hear last week, he gave me some shit. Um, but um, at, at one point, the, the a ball went into my son, and I said, "God damn it, Lucas!" Out loud. 
Now, my son's name is Lucas, and we also have a Lucas on the field. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was the same point where Lucas Moore literally dribbled directly into somebody like he always does. Um, I, I saw like like you guys. I saw the team sheet. I, I said this could this could be a, a little exciting on the offensive end. I did not like um, and Dombley being in there because of the minutes that he's been playing. Um, I didn't like Tanganga. I think I said on our WhatsApp uh, this week that you know I I thought that Tanganga would play midweek and 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 we'd see Emerson play you know uh, this weekend. Um, I mean, good switch, but too late, you know, um, I, I, I thought Delhi was, uh, in the first half at the very least was a little lazy. Um, he at least got back and tried to play some defense. I, I just, I want to, and I want to throw some numbers at you because this, this is kind of a funny thing. Um, I was just kind of looking at the numbers I, I usually do. And I, and I kind of try and dissect them. I, I don't know a lot about the numbers and, and what they actually tell you, but, uh, possession, I felt like we had almost zero possession until probably about maybe the 80th minute. It's 70th minute, maybe, is when we started to pick up a little possession. Tottenham had 54% possession today. Um, really? Yeah. Um, wow. Six six shots uh, six shots off target, four on target to um, five to seven for the for the scum. Uh, both teams at four corners, both teams at four at 12 fouls. Um, that doesn't translate to me to a three, one loss um, somewhere in there. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's tactical, right? Um, it's those wide open spaces um, th- that we allowed Arsenal to get into um, it, it's lack of, of uh, other players tracking back to help play defense uh on the back on the back end of a counterattack, um, it's it's our midfielders pushing too far forward. I, I you know, I guess we we bitched and complained about the about the skip and Hoiberg uh, combo um, so much that maybe Nuno hurt us and and wanted a little more attacking on there. But you know, um, at the expense of of suffering suffering some defensive setbacks in 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 the midfield um, and I, I guess it didn't didn't really work for this game but we had like Wendy said a lot of positive feelings about that first half in Chelsea I mean and I said to friends you know I I, I actually a guy at work uh, one of our anesthesiologists is a, is a Arsenal fan and I said <laughs> if that if that first half Chelsea team shows up you guys you guys are in for a day um they didn't show up and we obviously were in for a day. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm curious about first I'm, I'm, I'm resolved to say the name Harry Kane again, because I think it's important to, to say the name for the, for the purpose of this conversation. Lord there you go. When I was in high school um, playing high school football, I had a coach, coach Billica who always talked about the intangibles. And as like a 15, 16 year old kid, I didn't really understand what that meant. You know, I just knew that my coach was fascinated by it, but it, as an adult, as a person who did some coaching and, and played some sports, I now understand like intangibles matter, you know? And um, if, if I reflect on the most enjoyable experiences I've had in sport, it's those moments where you're a part of a team and everything is clicking and everything is going well. And there's just that momentum and that emotion and that feeling of like, 
this is good, right? Like that's a, that's a good feeling. And watching, watching our team today, especially in the first half, like I couldn't even pinpoint someone who I had could say had impacted the game in any way that was, was remarkable. And that got me thinking about Harry Kane and just the debacle that has been, you know, the conclusion of the summer, the start of the year, the Florida vacation and, you know, everything else. And to me, it feels like, and I'm curious your reactions. It feels like Harry Kane may have destroyed the fabric of the squad internally a little bit, um, may have taken away the potential for any intangible rhythm and momentum that, that might develop. And even though, Wendy, you spoke to this, you know, those, those first three wins were not sexy. Um, but I liked a little bit of what I saw with our team, right? There did appear to be some togetherness and cohesiveness, and, and that appears to have frayed or, or come apart. Curious, any reaction to that? What, what do we think on Harry Kane and the intangibles overall? Um, I, I, as far as intent, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead with this. Uh, just because I've been given the guy probably the, the most shit on this podcast. Um, I, I, I think he has the intangibles. He's just not, you know, he, he has that in him. He has in the past. He's, he's, um, you know, he doesn't, he's never seemed to me to be a team leader. He likes to, he, in the past was like, he's just a guy who goes out there and gets the job done. And he does it very well. Um, typically. And he has the intangibles and he's shown that he has those intangibles. Um, it's kind of the second sense that he has when making his runs, you know, on, on a ball crossed. Um, it's, it's, it's that ability to put the ball on his other foot. Um, when, when a defender gets into place, it's, it's, um, also, you know, um, kind of having the wherewithal, um, on a counterattacking run to, to make a, a, a pass, you know, um, it's, it's those things where you're on the ball or in, and I think I mentioned this before, when you don't have the ball, you know, I always tell my son, move without the ball move without the ball, find yourself in position to make your run. You know, he's a striker too. Um, find yourself in a position to make, to make a run at, at, at that goal. And, and he's got it. He's just not showing that he's got it. And it's always been a Harry Kane thing where he it takes him so long to get into a season. Right. And I think if he had been here for that week and a half prior, you know, with everybody else, he could have, probably been there maybe he shows up next week um maybe he doesn't i mean but he's also been on european and and national duty so there's a lot to be said there but i i just don't i don't think his heart is in it anymore and and intangibles don't matter if your heart's not in it great point great point wendy what's your perspective on that um i'm kind of torn on this one because I feel like even if Kane's heart was fully in it right now, and let's say he is the fittest and sharpest he's ever been in his career, I just don't think, I don't think it changes much at the moment. He had 25 touches today. I think we just don't find him enough. I, honestly, I just don't think he gets enough of the ball in, a, in the system we're currently playing. Um, First half, we're firing balls towards him and they're either being screened by Shaka and Partey or, or White is winning them or, or Kane's not even getting near to them because the quality of the pass isn't good enough. And it, it, for a player as good as Kane, it must be so frustrating to be receiving passes like that. Um, 
And so I kind of have some sympathy for him if his body language is a bit off. It's probably a bit like, God, this is so frustrating. I don't, like, I'm at the prime of my career. I've just missed out on a move to the best team of last year. And instead I'm here with long ball and counter press being the, the name <laughs> of the game. And like, that's not very motivating for a player who's, who's at his best with the ball on the deck. You know, quick balls into feet, one, two touch stuff, turning the ball around the corner, getting on the end of things in the box. That's Kane. That's Kane at his best. Facing goal a lot of the time, you know, having opportunities to shoot. And we're just not finding him those opportunities. So I kind of get it if he if he is a bit down in the dumps. Um, that's not to say that a bit of a bit more oomph wouldn't hurt, but Kane's pressing has been off for a long time now due to his, you know, continual ankle repetitive ankle injuries and uh, the effect that's had on his ability to run um so yeah I don't know I, I feel like there's definitely a bit of Kane is not in the right headspace but also I'm not sure how much it matters with the way we're playing at the moment that is actually a fantastic point I appreciate that perspective because I hadn't hadn't looked at it from that way I was just mad at him you know like pull together <laughs> you're, you're hurting the team so oh sure I that. get that I get that too I, I felt <laughs> I felt angry at lots of our players today and by the way, quick aside, Wendy, we've talked about this before. Um, in the hosting role, you know, you don't always get to share uh, some of the breakdown. So it's cool to hear you sharing, sharing the breakdown with us. So thanks for doing that with us today. Thanks. Steve, I want to hear from you. Uh, our captain, Hugo, after, after the match today, he made some comments that he wasn't, he wasn't worried um, and, and commented essentially, this may not be a direct quote, but when we're at our lowest, when we when we need to reveal ourselves as players, as teammates, and as men, that that's that's when that happens. Uh, I'm curious your reaction to to that from from our captain. You know, I'm I'm still waiting for that, right? Like there are a couple of games where you would have thought, well, you know, Crystal Palace is a prime example. After getting smacked three nil there, I would have thought that's when they go, okay, you know, honeymoon's over. We won our first three. It wasn't great, but now we're getting smacked around by fucking crystal palace really like that should that to me should have been when they all went okay you know we actually need to you know buckle down and hustle a bit more really get that that high energy back in there that didn't happen you know well we to be fair you know we did have a really good first half you know against against chelsea there um but then it fell apart in the second half and you know i can i can kind of forgive that because chelsea's a very good team you know thomas tuchel he's a brilliant coach um so you know i kind of expected that to happen so it's not too much there the wolves game i almost wish we would have lost that just to see if that would have been the low point right but again you know we gave away a two goal lead we had to go to penalties um and you know there's part of me that thought okay well we'll get at least some kind of like yeah we won let's carry that forward that didn't happen you just wanted me to say, you just wanted me to say, fuck Carabao, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, at, at what point is it your lowest? Like at some point, somebody has to say, you know, guys, we are not performing well. I mean, I, I'm getting a little frustrated every week of listening to these uh, snippets from Delhi saying, oh, I didn't have a good game. You know, I get that. I'm going to try harder. Dude, you keep saying that it just doesn't happen. It, it's frustrating for me to watch because I know how good he can be. I know how good most of these players can be, you know, on their day, they're easily world-class, but 
to then see them go on there and just kind of, you know, half-heartedly run around and, you know, it's, is it the players? Is it the coach? Is it both? Right now I'm feeling like it's both. Like there are players who just aren't buying into it and they just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know how they can impact the game. And that's not good. If you're out there as a starting 11 player and you don't know how you can impact the game, you might as well sub yourself off. Cause like, what are you offering at that point? Um, and then you've got the, the tactical piece of it. You know, like if you can't get these players to buy into your system, to do what you need them to do when it counts, you really aren't going to have much success coaching. Um, and for me, you know, the, the group of guys that we had out there at the end of the game is probably who should have started that game. I think we would have had a different result if, if that, the ending 11 was who started and maybe we brought, um, you know, Ndombele on to, to run at the tired legs. Maybe we brought, um, well, not Tanganga because I, I thought Emerson was, was superb there. Um, maybe Delhi comes on, you know, to give Kane a rest or something, you know, cause again, he wasn't getting a lot of service. Maybe you want to try something a little different, put sun up top. I don't know, but the options weren't there. You started the wrong team, the players didn't feel to me, at least they didn't look like they were into it for long stretches of it. Um, and it, it, that to me is particularly frustrating. Like the only guy that I saw out there who was, you know, screaming, and getting in there, Hoiberg, every game I see this guy just going to town on the ball, but he can't do it all himself. And it's just, it, it sucks. And, you know, speaking as a, somebody who's played just, you know, recreationally, not even competitively, it's incredibly frustrating when you're out there and you're trying your hardest and the people around you just don't seem like they're on the same page as you from a motivation perspective, from a, you know, just, it's, it's frustrating. It was frustrating to watch. I'm sure it's frustrating for some of these guys who, who get there and they want to perform. They want to, to hustle and, and, you know, be the best they can be. Um, but I, it, it, you know, if these guys aren't at their lowest point yet, like when's it going to happen? Like, when are we going to see them finally wake up and, and, you know, put the effort in, do the work in training, stay late. If you have to put the, a little extra in, you know, do a little extra fitness prep during the week. Uh, I don't know, you know, whatever it takes, but I am not seeing that right now. And, and to see Hugo come out there, it just, it, it really feels like he's just kind of scapegoating in a sense, like, oh, well, you know, it's not the worst that we could be right now. It's like, well, it should be, right? Like, you, you, this should be the worst. Like, fucking turn it around, guys. Like, you're the captain. <laughs> Get in there and, and yell at somebody. I, I, I like, I, I'd like to agree, Steve. It's just, you know, I think you have Hoiberg in, in midfield and he's just trying. He does, he has made mistakes recently and um, I, a lot of that comes to like him trying to do it all on his own. Um, th- there are, there are guys that, like you said, need to step up, but I think at this point, you know, it's, it's got to do with n- not knowing what your tactics are from, from match to match, you know, um, you need a, and I, I thought we were going to have a nice consistent kind of lineup, um, but given injuries and uh, what happened in Brazil and, you know, uh, guys in Croatia and, and, or wherever they were, Czech Republic, was it Croatia? Czech Republic, you know, having Croatia, I believe. Croatia, Croatia, right? Right? 
yeah yeah um i mean one thing after another it doesn't ever lead to any continuity in your in your lineup and 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 guys can't gel um but at the same time you have to have tactics that are are, are consistent so you know it, it i don't know if like game planning from team to team really works when you have a new manager who you know you're you're not sure of as the players are not sure of um and we have a number of new players kind of trying to fit into the system too coming from other leagues so at the same time like there's a big problem there when your coaching staff can't get through to to people what your tactics are going to be and you can't get guys on the field together at the same time to you know you know mike and it's not even just about our team either, right? Like the other team sees that and it makes life so much easier for them, right? Like you put two people on Kane, you've nullified him. You don't have to worry about anybody on the outside because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So whatever, like you don't have to even deal with them. It, it just makes life so easy when you could just pinpoint the one or two players who are going to be a threat and just completely nullify them. Things changed when Hill came on and all of a sudden you had, oh crap, like here's somebody who's just going to, he, he's got this energy. He's going to run at me. He's, he's making things difficult. Like he's closing down. Suddenly you introduce this idea of uncertainty into the defenders, into the midfield. Like, oh, should I be on Hill? Should I, you know, he's moved over. Should I track Sun now? Like what's the, once you introduce that confusion, then it makes it easier to break down those lines, get through and, and find your players like, like your Canes and your sons. Um, and, you know, honestly, that's what led to the one goal, right? You had Hill closing the ball down. He did something that we hadn't seen the entire game, right? Arsenal won the possession back. He closed them down and put that tackle in there to release uh, Reggie on for the cross. Just mind blowing. Like all of a sudden everybody's asleep because nobody's expecting that. But that was so few and far between that you just you're not going to come back from a three goal deficit that way. You need to start games where, you know, the the other team shouldn't be able to just nullify the two avenues for success that you have and just call it a day. You need to have a plan C D E F G. Like you need to be able to get any of those players doing something different that introduces an unknown element into the opposition's strategy. And that's how you start to break some of this stuff down. It's way too easy a lot of the time. And this isn't just a criticism of Nuno either. We saw this with Mourinho. We saw this in, in later year Pochettino era. It just gets to be way too predictable, way too easy um, for a lot of the, the opposition. It's going to come through to Sun and Kane. Lock those two out, game over. You don't have to worry about anything else, right? It's harder when you get somebody who starts to find form, like when Lucas start found, uh, founding finding, excuse me, his footing a bit more last season, there's a third element. You stretch that defense out and suddenly Kane can start to do more. Sun can start to do more. It's just not doable when not everybody is, is providing something, is doing something to be dangerous. Um, so I, just, I, I really want to back up a couple of the points that Steve's made there. I think there's yeah, some yeah. really excellent points. Um, a couple of things in particular so like sometimes we forget because we're so intent on watching our teams and we're like why can't they just get this plan to work you sometimes forget that there's a whole other team and a whole other manager who are trying to get their plan to work as well and and actually unfortunately Steve's right Arteta exploited our, our failures really well today and consistently got players between the lines our lines of midfield and defense 
which caused us all kinds of problems because suddenly Huey Bear is running the wrong way. Um, but there was one occasion in particular, there's a couple of occasions in particular where we tried to counterpress and we failed to counterpress because Arsenal was so quick at, at, um, at passing the ball out. I think Xhaka, it might have been for the second goal, made a really smart first time pass when um, we were a little slow to counterpress. But then there's still, there's a ball played into Aubameyang. And I honestly think that if Romero is playing and not Sanchez, Aubameyang does not get the pass off because Romero is just so aggressive and he would be down Aubameyang's... He, like, he'd probably go through him and give away a free kick, to be honest. And that would be fine because a free kick, like midway through our half, is a lot better than the goal conceded. Um, and even if Romero's in a yellow card, whatever, it's fine. And there's another occasion as well where they, they beat the counter press and you're just like, okay... Well, they can see, the reason this is happening is because we're so disorganized in our counterpressing. Like we we don't even know what our triggers are. On, on one occasion, Kane's pressing the centre backs when they got the ball. For the rest of the time, they're backing away from the centre backs and trying to stop the ball into midfield. So what's the plan here? Is it is it press the centre backs or is it drop into midfield? The triggers were just hopelessly wrong, and the problem is that that's that causes a disconnect throughout the rest of the team because if one player goes when he's not meant to go, the rest of the team has to go and suddenly you've got spaces. So Kane goes, that means Huey Bear has to go. That means there's space behind Huey Bear that, that Smith Rowe as a really smart, intelligent, tactical player can exploit because he just suddenly finds this space behind Huey Bear where he, wouldn't, he shouldn't be expecting space to appear. And that was a real, real problem, a real problem today. Uh, it happened over and over again in the first half and it... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of exactly what Steve says. There's, there's too many failures and it's too easy for opposition managers to exploit them. I, I, I really thought that it wasn't going to be Smith-Rowe. Honestly, I thought if anybody was going to exploit us, it would have been Odegaard. But, um, you know, I also have to say that, like, if if you watch the defensive play from, from Arsenal today, like, Tomiyasu is really good. He is a really good player. And I, th- I think we... He impacted have... the game, no question. Yes, yeah, Spurs may have made a mistake not 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 locking him up. Um, he he is a very impactful player. Uh, he showed how good he is, uh, you know, on the ball. I think honestly, I think Emerson's a little bit better, but I think um, we could have ended up having a Romero, Tomiyasu, Emerson, Regulon, Regulon look. But I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Um, there, I, and I know that there have been things coming out recently about, you know, Paradici and and the way that he has operated in the offseason, you know, with Daniel Levy. And I, I, I've, I, I know it's probably a little bit of uh, um, kind of what's the what's the term? Uh, I, I, I can't I can't think of the term, but I mean, it, it might be all a bunch of untruths and 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 things taken out of context. Um, but I mean, that I, I had read something that you know it, our first offer to Wolves for for Traore was five million dollars, you know, plus you know plus a free loan this this year, you know. It, it, I mean, I don't know if any of that stuff is true, um, tabloid kind of journalism or whatever, or or things taken out of context. But I mean, if that's if that's how we're going to operate, we're never going to get the players in that we expect to operate together and, and work well together. But I, I, I don't, if, if we want to try our Bob Marley thing right now, we can, but actually I, I, we're not there quite yet, Mike. We're not there quite yet. Okay. I, got, I got an idea. I got some, I got some okay. ideas. So I, All right. maybe Perfect. this guy isn't falling, but. So here we, here we go. How about, how about this? This is a good moment to pause and uh, hit a couple of our uh, 
listeners choice segments if you will so we're gonna we're gonna do a, a quick hey mike what you drinking which is always ah, a yeah, fan yeah. favorite we're, we're excited about that and we're going to follow that up with our chicken little bob marley uh segment so so wendy as our guest i'd like to give you the opportunity to decide if you'd like to participate and then you get to decide if you would like to participate which angle you prefer to take the chicken little sky is falling angle or the bob marley everything is going to be all right angle um from there, either Steve or Mike, and I'm curious who who will go for it. Uh, might be Mike. Um, we'll take the other side of that, and we'll we'll see we'll see who wins that argument when it's all said and done. And then when that's finished, just forecasting, I would like to talk about coaches. You know, we've hinted that maybe we don't see Nuno being able to finish this out. Um, so I'd like to have a little conversation about okay, then what? What what would that look like if there were a change midstream? How would that play? So for now, Mike, let's let's go to you with our. Our, our favorite segment. Hey, Mike, what you drinking? Ah, today, my friends, this is a, this is a fun one for me because uh, I have, since I was a child, been a big WWF fan. Um, I was always a fan of the guys that kind of nobody really liked. Everybody liked Hulk Hogan and such and Triple H and, and all that, uh, you know. I can't wait to hear who this is. I can't, can't um, wait. I was, a, I was a really big fan of Junkyard Dog when I was a kid. Love that guy. Loved him. And Coco Beware, like coming in all flashy. Um, Mike, so before I you was, get to it, can I interrupt for just one moment? I, yeah. have, to, I have to do this. My dad uh, is in his mid-70s, and he and I would watch WWF together as kids, well, when I was a kid all the time. And uh, my brother and sister and I, about a year ago for his birthday, got a, uh, a video recording of Hacksaw Jim Duggan wishing him oh. happy birthday and, and saying hi to my dad. And and that it was fantastic. So, yeah, the, the roots run deep. Yeah, those are super cool. Absolutely. Uh, Jim Duggan is from uh, almost from like my wife's area of the country. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he used to have the, Jim Duggan used to have the big two by four and he'd stick his tongue out. Yeah. Um, so um, I was never a fan of the WCW. I thought the production value was cheap and it looked silly until they started actually like all the NWO stuff, but they had this guy, uh, um, named uh he was part of the hollywood blondes with brian pillman named stunning steve austin long hair blonde blonde hair and uh pillman had long bleach blonde hair they looked like kind of rock stars they were kind of like the badass version of the rockers from the wwe in the 80s um sean michaels and marty Jannetty. so i early on the uptake with steve austin um there's my story about that uh, he comes into wwe wins the king of the ring Austin 316 says, I just kicked your ass. It was a whole thing with Jake the Snake. So he won the King of the Ring. He says that, blows the doors off everything, Attitude Era and WWE starts. So um, fast forward, I become a big fan of some podcasts. I love Chris Jericho's podcast and I love Steve Austin's podcast. And he started, um, part, one of his sponsors was this El Segundo Brewing Company down uh, down in Texas, where he's where he's from, um, where his ranch is, and uh, kind of uh, a couple of years into his podcast, they decided to make a beer for him. So I finally got my hands on on this because he talks about it every single episode. You know, sitting here having a couple El Segundo Broken Skull IPAs. You know, and. Um, uh, I got to tell you, uh, I, I haven't had it. I've, I've been sitting on this for a little bit. Broken Skull IPA, 
Steve Austin's uh, Broken Skull IPA, uh, 6.7% alcohol. Um, El Segundo Brewing Company. It's got the barbed wire on it, a skull on the label. It's pretty cool looking. On the, on the back, it's got his, uh, you guys can see this, but it's got his signature and it says uh, the rattlesnake. So uh, I'm going to get into this here. Let's see what happens. So Mike, what you need to do is is shake it up and then get another can to smash it against and then pour it over your face and into your mouth. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that down here. My, my son also, uh, this is his FIFA lair. So, <laughs> so Wendy, um, I'm curious while Mike is getting ready to pour, this is just North American ignorance for you. Uh, you know, we grew up with with professional wrestling as, as a part of our childhood. Was that a thing for you and, and your friends? What did that look like? Heck yes. Yeah, I loved it. We, I mean, WWF was huge in the UK um, when I was growing up in the um, in the mid 90s. It was, um, yeah, Attitude Era was massive. And then obviously The Rock, um, Chris Jericho. I, I, I watched WWF and then WWE through that whole era um, and probably only stopped when I was like, maybe 17 something like that um yeah, yeah absolutely I, all the names that you've mentioned uh yeah familiar names to me for sure that's fantastic i have these vivid memories mike and i are i think a couple years older than than wendy and chris and uh i remember vividly wrestlemania one fifth grade standing in the lunch line at school arguing about whether or not wrestling was real or fake you know just having those 10 year old debates so that, that <laughs> those are those are good memories absolutely Oh my God. And I remember uh, getting into my uh, teens and early twenties, going to parties and trying to pull off wrestling moves with my friends. You know, um, I did, I did give somebody the rock bottom and he, uh, in my apartment and he went through, um, I had these beautiful back in the day, a Herman Carden was like a big deal. So I had these big, huge speakers and he went, his foot went right through the speaker. As soon as I gave him the rock bottom on the, on the, uh, floor of my apartment and it wasn't a, a nice carpeted floor it was a hard floor man and we destroyed this apartment but oh man some of the some of the things we did because of wwe um so this uh this has uh, i just read this again it has some uh it's six it says it's 6.7 percent badass this is what it says <laughs> it's got citra cascade and chinook hops which you know the three c's it's a typical IPA. It looks like um, it smells. It smells pretty good. It's kind of yeasty. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not that much of a beer snob. Anybody who has ever been on my Untapped, I think Wendy has been on my Untapped, and um, I, I make funny statements about the beers. I don't try and get nerdy with it. So let's go ahead and try this and see what we get here. It's really light. It really is super light. Um, it's not as bad as, as I thought it would be. I thought it would like hit you really hard. Um, God, it, usually with a Citra, you get it like on the back end. You can, you can feel it on the back end. And it, the, it, the Chinook comes out a lot. I have brewed in the past. So like the Chinook hop is a very, it, it's usually described as grassy. And the older your beer gets, it probably has to do with the age of the beer, but I'm sure in a can, it stays a little better than in a bottle, but like, it's a little bit grassy. It does, it tastes just like the Chinook hop. Um, and it, you get that little bit of Cascade. Cascade is, 
is um, is more of a flavoring hop uh, than a finishing hop. But yeah, it's 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 a pretty good. It's definitely better than that um, that gluten free beer I had. By the way, this is probably going to be the last beer of the week, so I have to I have to enjoy this one um, just because of my digestive issues. Um, Enjoy it. Where are you putting this on the uh, on the mic scale? I'm putting it on the on the. I, I've done zero to five, I think, and I've done zero to ten. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I, I switch back and forth depending on the beer. You know, um, you probably need to calibrate the mic scale. That would be a good idea. Let's do it. Right. Let's do a zero to seven here. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I'll give it a three and a half. It's, it's obviously not my favorite beer I've ever had. Um, it's not terrible though. I mean, I, you could drink a number of them. I think I think he is right. You know. So Mike, um, when we uh, when we post this this episode, I'm going to at Stone Cold Steve Austin and he's going to come for you because you only gave him a three and a half out of seven on his, on well, his uh, brew. I'd pay to watch that. Wouldn't that be you fantastic? Like this beer? Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Mike. Hey, everyone, this has been yet another stellar episode of Hey, Mike, what you drinking? So, Mike, we appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. Let's let's move on. Let's go to to uh chicken little bob marley and wendy again is our guest you get to choose whether you want to participate so based on that answer you can also decide which angle you'd like to take so what say you mm, i think i would like to participate so I, I mean it would be it would be more natural for me to to go chicken little at this point so i'll set myself a challenge and go bob marley fair enough all right and uh, let's find out your opposition, uh, Steve or Mike, who's taking the chicken little angle. Anyone ready? I, I think we got to go with Steve because he got to do Bob Marley last week. I don't think he was entirely comfortable doing it. <laughs> I, I don't. And, and I will go on another rambling rant about how Nuno needs to be gone. Uh, we need to get rid of Harry Kane and everybody else on the team. Um, strip it right down and just leave Ryan Mason and, and Steve Hitchens. And that's Mike it. is hijacking our entire segment here. How about that, huh? <laughs> that's Stone, I, I'm just saying Stone that's, Cold's that's, kicking in. That's where that's where I am, and I'll let Steve take it from there. So, <laughs> all right. So let's start with Wendy. Wendy, why don't you uh, why don't you give us the Bob Marley presentation on the state of our club? Yeah. So I mean, I think things feel really crappy at the moment because we've just lost heavily to Chelsea and Arsenal in inside the last three matches and that is not a, a place you want to be but I do feel like we've made significant progress over the last I guess three months not in terms of the football but in terms of the squad building because there was so much work to do I mean a lot is made of the the Pochettino painful rebuild comments and I think a lot of it is like slightly overdone now because there has had already been a lot of rebuild, but the way that Parathiji set about the task of reducing the age profile of the squad over the summer was really impressive. And it has set us up quite nicely for the future, I think. Um, so when I look at our squad now, I feel pretty optimistic that with the right coach, there's talent, there's real talent there that is as yet untapped. Um, and I feel like, I feel like someone could could really get something out of this group. And even if you like even if you think about Kane and Dombele, two players who are obviously in the, the the best players in our squad and who both want to leave, that's a lot of money tied up in them. I mean, if we would sell Kane and Dombele in the next couple of transfer windows, 
we're looking at over 150 million pounds. Uh, that is a heck of a lot of money to then do some more serious rebuilding. And I feel like Paratici has, he's, he's halfway to proving that he is a, a solid operator uh, already. I mean, he's got a good track record. So we can say, I think with some certainty that he is a good operator in a transfer market. I would feel much more comfortable with him spending that 150 million than I would have done had he not been in the club and it was left to Daniel Levy and Steve Hitchin to do by themselves. I, I feel like Levy would, oh my goodness, I don't even want to think what Levy might have done with that money. But I think with Paratici, it's in good hands. And, and along with that, so I mean, if I look across our squad, I see good young talent. I see players like Regulon and Tanganga and Emerson Royale, who are young and um, have a good profile, good, good fullbacks. We have... Romero, who I think genuinely is an excellent centre-back and I'm pretty excited about him. And I, I still like Roden too. I think Joe Roden's a good player and someone we need to see more of over time. I, I also think Tanganga eventually will become a centre-back. So that's not a bad set of centre-backs. Um, and then in midfield, obviously Skip has had some mixed reviews this year, but he's a solid, solid defensive midfield player like we've got him for free we brought him through our academy that is a player who straight away is worth upwards of 20 million and he's a good player he's perhaps not someone who can play every week for us at the moment but as a rotation option he's a good premier league player um Huibier is not old he's like 25 26 he's a good age still we've got a good few years left of him i hope Ndombele stays and um fulfills his potential with us if he does that he's a wonderful player the celso is a good age as well Delhi, 25, there's still so much more to come from Delhi. These are, these are good players. And then looking forward, Bergwijn and Hill, two players I really like. I think Brian Hill is so far showing that the, 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 the excitement about him was for, for good reason. He's a talented, talented um, ball-carrying winger who clearly can also play as a free eight as well, which is exciting for us. Um, and I just, I feel like there's lots to be excited about, about the the talent that's available to us. And then, you know, look deeper than that. And you've got Scarlett and Divine who are, you know, up there with two of the best youngsters in England right now. Jamie Donnelly, the year below then, is an exceptional number 10 we've got coming through our academy. And we're not going to produce countless players from our academy, but we are at a point now where we can produce one, maybe two a year. And that is a good output. We're in a we're in a good position to build for the future. The stadium revenue is, is starting to come in now. You know, we had a huge boxing event at the weekend that would have brought good merchandising money. It's um, great exposure for the club. Um, the the spe- stadium revenue means we can start spending more on player transfers and more importantly, player wages. And that's how we can catch up with the teams ahead of us. So although things might not look too bright at the moment, I think, we are one good coaching appointment away from being an excellent team and we will regain the, that top four spot within a few years and um, we have nothing to worry about in the long term. Wendy, well done. And we will, uh, your last comments are on the coaching appointment. We will get to shortly, but first I want to turn to Steve. Steve, the, the, the groundwork has been laid. Uh, Wendy did well. Can you convince us that the sky is falling? I'll do my best, but I've got two things working against me right now. First, that was a brilliant piece of analysis, and I agree with just about everything that you said. Second, this whiskey drink has made me very happy right now, so I don't know what I really have it in me to be super. Uh, but this I'll is the best version it. of Steve. Bring it, Steve. We want, we want I, to hear I, it. I love, I love that we do that. We don't have a running order anymore. We just go for it. 
<laughs> it makes everything so just like oh it's it's yeah. like a newborn child and that you know you're seeing for the first time it's very nice <laughs> and by the way can i just say this when when it comes to the editing of this there has never been a single moment that we have edited out of any of these pods so uh, even though we have no running order we just whatever comes up comes up and so far so good so steve on that note don't screw it up let's hear it Oh, God, now the pressure's on. All right, let's see. Sky is falling. All right, so before we can get to a bright, sunny future, we have to deal with the dismal, shitty reality that is conceding nine goals in three games in the league with a defense that looked like it was going to come good for us. Dyer and Sanchez looked like they had turned a corner, that they were going to be a solid center back pairing in the league after three games. And it's just kind of all gone to shit since then. I mean, yeah, they haven't played um, all three of these last games together, but they're all, you know, they, they played today and they were all out of sorts. Um, they definitely were not showing the same air of confidence and, and uh, determination that we saw earlier in this season. And the big elephant in the room right now is, is Nuno, right? Like we've seen how stubborn Levy has been. I don't know that he will get rid of Nuno just yet, which can be problematic because how far down in the table do we need to slide before something changes, something drastic needs to change um, so that we can, you know, kind of try to correct course here. Um, I don't want to be, you know, three quarters of the way into the season and, and trying to bring somebody in there to get us out of the bottom three. I'd rather avoid it completely. Um, and it just, I just don't feel confident in Nuno's ability to manage the the egos, the, the personnel that we have. I don't know that he can snap Kane out of his funk. I don't think he's the guy that can get Delhi firing on all cylinders again. It, he just seems like he's way out of his depth. And you know what? And I'm, I know we're, I'm getting ahead of us here, so apologies, Dave, but who even do you bring in if you get rid of Nuno, right? Like if, if my dreams come true where I wake up and Nuno's fired in the morning, who do you got? Do you bring Ryan Mason back in to, to interim coach for a while? The list of available coaches that could come in and do a serviceable job is tiny. And, it's, and matters are made even worse that these people were available and we still pick Nuno over them in many cases. I'm looking at you, Antonio Conte. I doubt he's going to want to come into this shit show after being passed up. And, you know, th that brings me back to Paratici. He's done well, I'll give him that, at bringing in young, exciting players. But this is the guy, Nuno is the guy that Paratici wanted Levy to buy into if he's going to be selecting the backup, I have zero confidence that we're going to get anything better than that. We could be looking at a very miserable time unless a golden goose lays an egg right in front of us to pick up and run with. I just, I can't see us doing any better unless somebody manages to convince somebody like, like Valverde to come out and, and, take up coaching again. You know, he's been out of the game for a while. So even that's a big risk. You know, he did well at Barca. He did well at uh, Bilbao and, and, you know, all those clubs in Spain, but can he come in having taken what, like a year and a half off at this point and make an impact? I don't know, but there are really no other options. You've got Eddie Howe, you know, he was exciting maybe four or five years ago, but there's, there's just nothing available for us. We're going to end up with some interim coach like a Ryan Mason who may or may not 
coast us to a mid-table finish. And then we'll be sitting here wondering what the hell did we do all summer to put ourselves in a position where we've written off the season and have to rebuild again going into the next campaign. It just feels like we've got, there's nothing going right for us. We've got maybe two or three players who I genuinely feel confident are giving it their all and a coaching staff where I, I don't even know what the hell they're trying to do tactically. It's, it's misery incarnate right now. And I just, I can't see those clouds opening up to give Mike his sunshine to watch his son play soccer. You know what? Maybe that's who we need. Maybe Mike, next time you've got a game going on, ask your son's coach if he wants to fly over to England and, uh, you know, take over for a bit. Cause it sounds um, like he's, those guys he's, well. he's from England. Uh, he, Lee Williamson, he, he came, he came here. Um, him, so the culture it, wouldn't even be a problem. He's just <laughs> right back up. There you go. Actually, and, and, and just to tell you the, tell you the truth, the, the, the director of the U10 program and the director of Far Post Soccer is uh, an Arsenal fan. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah. Let, we'll just, Coach, I Coach Todd, I love you, but, I, but yeah. Um, we, I'm uh, curious. Mike, I'm going to come to you because, Mike, I want you're the deciding vote. The, both, both gentlemen did a compelling job. But, Steve, you said two or three guys were giving it their all. I'm curious. Who were the two or three guys? Ledley King. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wherever he is. No, I think Hoiberg, without a doubt. I think, you know, I think Son honestly is trying his hardest, even though there's not really a lot going on around him. Uh, and this is strictly just starters. So I'm not even going to include Hill, who I thought did well, and Emerson and, and Skippy. Uh, but from our starters, and this might be a controversial one, Reggion. I think Reggion goes out there and he might not, he's not perfect. I'm not saying he's the best defender we have out there, but he tries and he's, you can see it in his body language. You can see it in his, in his, um, in his play. He actually cares about what he's doing. Those are and my still to this day, one of the greatest own goals ever. <laughs> you had to bring it up. Just fact. Like, just fact. Steve, you have to watch Huey Bear for the first goal. Um, I'd be really interested to see if you change your um, view of him because he was at, I mean, it, for it's, me, it's, it's ugly. Have that guy. yeah, it's what did it, you see? Cause I didn't, I didn't see it. What, what he happened? Was out of position. He just so, wasn't, he wasn't, yeah, he was, it's, wor- it's worse than that though, because it's like, so when so what you get all the time on Twitter is people say, oh, look at these Spurs players just jogging back. And normally, jogging in football is a thing like footballers do just jog back into position they can't sprint all the time you can't just sprint sure. for 90 minutes it's not physically possible to do that sure. yeah, yeah but on this occasion Huey Bier does need to sprint because he's still got an option to, to stop a shot or stop a pass or a shot and he just jog, he just jogs and the ball like it's he's he's not in the game because he chooses to jog and um it's not like him like that is very much the exception for him but it really annoyed me <laughs> Yeah, I get that 100%. And I think that's why Skip really ought to have been in there from the beginning. It frees Hoiberg up to play a little more centrally and, and less back. I don't think he's really built as somebody to run box to box all game. Um, but there it is. All right, let's pivot to Mike. Mike, which of these two gentlemen gave the more compelling argument? They were both solid. You could go either way. I'm curious how you land. So again, like I said last week, you know, my friends would probably tell you that I'm, I'm the biggest pessimist on the planet but I do have that kind of optimistic. Um, the sun is going to shine again. 
look most of the time, like I said, I'll never stop supporting my teams. Um, the Red Sox, like <sighs> this had to be the weekend that like the Red Sox could have ended the Yankees misery this year. And they decided to drop the first two of, of the three game series to the Yankees. We shit the bet against Arsenal. Um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think the sky is falling, but we have to, we have to understand that wholesale changes have to be made or, or we're going to end up mid bottom of the table. I, I don't think anybody expected Arsenal to stay at bottom of the table and nobody expected us to stay top of the table. I think end of the season, we're probably going to both be battling it out mid table, maybe for that. Well, at this point it might look at the, you know, the, the conference league again, you know, um, a battle for that conference league spot, who knows? Um, you know, typically I think that Arsenal fans take a loss to Tottenham way worse than Tottenham fans take a loss to Arsenal. Um, I don't know, man, about today, like Twitter went fucking crazy, crazy. I didn't look at Reddit, Steve. I know you're a Reddit guy, but Twitter went crazy. Um, I Like you said, Dave, I use it as kind of an aggregator. I don't really post. I don't really know how to use it properly. Uh, Wendy's the, 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 the expert on that, but um, I, I, I don't like to get into it. I kind of got rid of Facebook except for our meetups with, uh, with our supporters club and that kind of stuff in my family, but that's it. Um, but I got to tell you, I, I think there are some bright spots. We are, we are a young club. We're moving in the right direction. We never expected Nuno to stick around for more than his contract. Um, he does some great things with trying to, with trying to correct the, um, I guess, correct what happened uh, during the Marino years, you know, correct attitudes, correct um, the whole culture in the club. Um, one guy's not going to be able to do that. You need guys to buy into it. So <laughs> we have, we have a lot of new additions that don't speak English yet, really. Um, so once they learn how to speak English and want to convey what they need to convey to the rest of the team, we, we need leaders out there. And I've, I've always been a fan of, um, you know, you can have your captain be your captain, but if you, Hugo, I, I, and he, I know he's captain, you can't just you know, rip his roots out of the ground. But I think I've been a fan always of a defensive player, whether it be a center back um, or, or a fullback um, or even a defensive midfielder being, being your captain on the field, somebody who's going to go out there and kind of direct traffic and that kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's kind of the way I look at soccer, um, you know, in the same way that like, and I hate to say it, Harry Maguire is, you know, um, out there. He's not my favorite player. I don't like his big giant head. Um, but, you know, he's out there directing traffic. And, and I think that that's what, uh, that, that's what Hoy Bear kind of represents for our team. I love the guy. I really do. He works really hard. I wear his number on the back of my shirt right now. But at some point, you have to give that guy some support. Or he's just gonna he he's gonna stop buying into it too. And well, ultimately, it, ultimately, it's, you it, are... it's a virus, and it will infect the entire club, like it did the last year and a half. 
But ultimately, you're positive. Ultimately, you 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 see a long game and and see things. There uh, is a long game, and I and I think that we we can find it, but it it has to. People have to buy into whatever Nuno is trying to do. Agreed. Absolutely. Maybe we're just waiting. Maybe we're just waiting it out for Poch to to leave Paris. Who knows? Let's change direction. Good good segue right there, Mike. And and, and we're going to lose we're going to lose Steve momentarily. So I want to give Steve a chance to speak. He kind of got to this earlier. Um, So let's entertain the notion that maybe Nuno doesn't make it. It was just a week ago. I said, hey, um, none of us see Nuno being here beyond two years and questionable if we would see him being with us beyond one year. But now we're facing the possibility of perhaps less than that. So let's let's entertain the notion that. Nuno does uh, lose his position mid-season. The question is, then what? So, Steve, I'd like to hear from you first. Uh, what is the answer to then what from a coaching standpoint? I mean, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. There's really no good options out there unless you can convince somebody like a Valverde or, or you know, go back on your hands and knees groveling to Conte to come in and, and you know, take over. You've got some pretty mediocre coaches that are, are you know, available right now. Your best bet, and honestly, what I wouldn't be surprised is another run out for interim manager Ryan Mason to come out and you know try to right the ship and and get us cruising until we can do a deal with a, you know another club or until somebody else gets fired and we can try to pick them up instead. Um, you know, surely by the time winter break rolls around, you know, January transfer window. You're going to see a couple more who are in the hot seat who are probably going to get let go. And then you can start to say, well, you know, would they work at Spurs? You know, is, is that feasible for us? Um, but until then, you know, I think you're looking at a short term or maybe even rest of the season interim manager um, just to kind of cross your fingers and, and hope that you don't get relegated. Cause I mean, the time to, the time to pick a good long-term manager is past. You gave Nuno a short contract, which again leads me to believe that you have your eye on somebody else and you're just waiting for the opportunity. If Nuno's putting you in danger of being relegated, you get him out of there and you just find somebody, anybody to plug the hole until you can get it completely repaired. But I don't see anybody available right now, save for those two that I mentioned, who can come in and and do a, a, a serviceable job at the level that I think we all as first fans have come to expect over the last several years at this point. Um, there it is. Steve, thank you. And we know we'll lose you shortly. So we appreciate you. Thanks for being here today. Wendy, I know that you have expressed um, your belief in supporting Graham Potter, you know, throughout the entire summer. So I'm curious uh, if you still see him as a, as a logical long-term option. And if, if he were a long-term option, what are the short-term options as well? What do you think? He is a hundred percent a logical long-term option for us, but I do not believe that we are a logical long-term option for him. I think we are um, too much of a club in disarray for him at the moment. And also, I feel I feel like if we'd like really gone big on him in the summer, like you are our first choice, you are our top priority. We want to bring you in and do whatever you want to make the club a success in your way of working. I feel like that would have been the way to play it. But now. <laughs> We've, we've gone for a totally different type of manager, like the polar opposite of, of Graham Potter. Um, it would kind of not make a lot of sense now to for him to, to join us and even for us to approach him because I, I, 
I mean, unless they unless they just go, okay, you know, we got it wrong. We've made a mistake here. We've let's completely tear up the plan and and change direction and and try again for Potts. I but I just don't. I can't see him leaving. He's in such a good position with um, Brighton. He's going to have a, a super successful managerial career. He's a huge talent um, who's just like built. He's building slowly. Um, and he's done a fantastic job and you know he might even take Brighton into the Europa League this year who knows if they can continue the type of form they're showing at the moment um, but I would love him I would absolutely love Potter and I, I honestly feel like he would get so much from our players um, tactically and also in terms of their own individual developments because he does, he works so well with individual players and improves them <clears throat> but in terms of short-term coaches kind of with Steve I don't I don't know like what the options are there's God, I mean, Eddie Howe is, it's Eddie Howe, isn't it? That's the only, op- it's Eddie Howe, or, or you or you try and prize someone like Hassan Hootl away from Southampton and, and, and I don't know, or Daniel Farker from Norwich, someone like that, someone who's a bit of a gamble. Um, I think Eddie Howe is a good coach. Um, if, if we appointed Eddie Howe, I can tell you now that the fan base would be disgusted by the appointment like it would not go down well there would be protests there would be protests if Eddie Howe were to be appointed I I don't think that's right I think he is I think he's a completely serviceable coach I actually would have preferred him to Nuno if I'm completely honest Um, but his reputation is is not that good and um, yeah I think people would see it as a step backwards if anything that people would be going we you know we've gone from Pochettino to Mourinho to Nuno and Eddie Howe, how is this acceptable? It, it would be a terrible decision from a PR perspective. That is a perspective I hadn't thought of either, the uh, the decline in the uh, the, the quality of, of options. Mike, what are your thoughts on both long and short term? Uh, I, I, loved, I loved the Graham Potter um, idea. Um, I, I love the way that um, he prepares his teams. Uh, I, I love the way that he puts his teams into uh, a certain mindset. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about about a, a a manager or a coach, any coach who kind of fosters a, a, an air of positivity into into his team um, outside outside of the context of the sport, even. Um, so I, I I always loved that. I, th- I think that there are a couple of guys out there um, and I, I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's a snappy dresser. We've talked about him uh, because he's not at Fulham anymore. Um, so Scott Parker's out there, right? Um, and then uh, outside of that, maybe you could go groveling on your hands and knees. But after what he said a couple of days ago, I don't think Fonseca is coming anywhere near us, you know? So again, you're left with probably someone who's a caretaker, someone within the, within the organization. Um, is Ryan Mason even a youth coach anymore? I don't know. I, you, I don't know. You could bring him in, even if he is a youth coach, you know, it, it, you're always, you're already losing trust in your and your the manager you looked for so long to hire. And now you're, your players are going to lose trust in the entire organization if, if, if you fire him and you have nobody as a backup plan. So 
I don't know. Like Scott Parker for me is the only guy or Eddie Howe. Those are my two guys. Interesting. I, I, Interesting. I gotta tell you, I was, I was not huge on Nuno. And I did say, I think in our first, one of our first two podcasts, Bruno Lodge was the guy. <laughs> and, and, and like, he's got, he does have wolves playing forward football. And, and I said, that's what he would do, but he would also, you know, he also plays slightly defensively in the midfield. You know, I mean, you, you've been yeah, consistent I, on I, that. I you have, I, I want to throw out too, and I don't think this will ever happen, but I do just want to go on the record. Tomas Frank, I continue to admire him from afar and I'm impressed by um, his story and how he's built Brentford up to, to where they are. But, but that said, uh, you brought up Fonseca and it's interesting because when he started speaking out this week, my first thought is why is he doing this? You know, like what, why now? And a part of me wondered like, huh, I wonder if there are talks behind the scenes and there's a bit of uh, bargaining leverage being, being executed by him in this moment. Maybe that's just digging way too deep into the weeds and, you know, imagining yeah, something I mean, he that's was not basically, there. He, he had his, he had his office set up, I guess, basically. Yeah, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. But Wendy, I, I also saw, I could tell you had something that you, uh, you had a response to, to some of the things Mike were saying. What are you thinking? No, I think Scott Parker's not a bad shout, actually, as, a, as an interim. I, I definitely wouldn't want him long-term. And the, the problem is that I don't think he would come as an interim. He would only come like on a three-year contract, something like that. Yeah, that, um, that, that's for sure. He's at Bournemouth at the moment, um, and he's doing oh, a pretty my. good job so far with Bournemouth. He started the season quite well. Um, and Ryan Mason is still at the club. He's still he's still got like a, a role bridging the academy in the first team. So he's he's there waiting in the wings, but I think that would be such a bad appointment. I mean, he was a he was a vibes only manager. He was there to lift the spirit and make people feel good, but there was no tactical nous there, really, if we're completely honest. That's that's kind of why I asked, just because I know I know that you have some knowledge of the of the youth players and 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 that kind of a thing. I don't I've actually kind of gotten into looking at the uh, at the women's team a little bit now too. It's kind of fun to to follow, but um but I don't actually get into the stuff with the youth teams. And, and, and I know that you have that unique perspective because you, you like to watch that stuff. And I think it's cool. I do. And I, I also, I have to say, I, I share Dave's uh, love of Thomas Frank as well. I think he is, he's a bit special. Yeah. Uh, he, he speaks so well. And like every time he speaks, I just think I like this guy's, I like his approach. I, I, he's so logical and level-headed and calm. Um, there's a little bit of Pochettino there about him actually. Um, and also, I, I think Bruno Large is doing a fantastic job so far with a with a Wolves team that was not, I mean, they were terrible last year under Nuno, if we're completely honest. And they're not an amazing team. He's got some good players, but they're not an amazing team. And he's got them playing some pretty, pretty decent football. He's got more out of Moutinho than, than Nuno managed for a couple of years, I would say. Right. Right. I did, I did question his uh, non-selection of Traore uh, Adama today, but I mean, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe they were out of uh, baby oil or coconut oil. That, that could have been that. <laughs> hey, with that, guys, I think I think we have uh, we've reached the end of this one, and I just want to say I am I am grateful for each of you. Uh, Steve is gone, but we um, thanks to Steve, Wendy, fantastic to have you with us. It's it's always a pleasure to to just talk about things that we share and love, and so really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. It's been lovely talking. I mean, I'm a fan of your podcast, so I've uh, it's nice to be on it. Much appreciated. And with that, um, the usual, right? Come on, you Spurs. Kois, 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 kois. Uh, Mike, it's time for you to say, hey, everyone. Be safe.
be safe. And with that, we appreciate you all. Have a great day.